Welcome to Thrive with Trevor Huffman Podcast. Trevor will be sharing 20 years of his NBA, NCAA, and overseas basketball playing, training, and coaching experience to help basketball athletes, parents, and humans find their athletic edge and thrive. Thrive is a deep dive into the lives, routines, habits, and minds of the world's best mental performance coaches, leadership professors, pro basketball athletes, NBA and WNBA skill trainers, and thought-leading sports psychologists. Let Trevor help you find the edges of your comfort zone so you can thrive. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive with Trevor Huffman. Don't forget to check out these other great shows on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com Podcast, Cavalier Central, and of course our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast. You can find all our shows on your favorite podcast apps. My name's Libby Rapid, so I was born and raised in Saginaw, Michigan. My journey has taken me to Grand Rapids, North Carolina, Chicago, and I spent 10 years working for primarily technology startups, high growth technology startups, and was head of HR. And eventually, you know, honestly, the story is that I burnt out. I became exhausted. I experienced adrenal fatigue. Physically, my body was depleted and just tired all the time. And so because of my physical health, I decided to go about things naturally and learned about the mind-body connection. So I started doing all of the things that doctors typically recommend, change your diet. I was working out a ton, so that wasn't a problem, but I changed the way that I worked out, so more yoga and things like that. And You were running at that time, and was this like when you were prime marathon runner at Chicago or something? When, yeah, so I ran the Chicago Marathon. So this all happened around the same time. Okay. And then, you know, I just, I, the, all these synchronicities happened that brought me to meditation. I mean, it was natural. I was doing yoga. I was starting to understand what that yoga is a practice of meditation and really started an intentional practice. But it was a practice where it was like for two days, I'd meditate five days off, mm-hmm. two days on. And so it was a really rocky start that soon enough, I started to realize how good I felt on the days that I was actually meditating and so the journey began of really understanding what mindfulness was, how it's a way of being. I went and studied um, at the Chopra Center that was started by Deepak Chopra, who is a, an MD and researcher and author yep. in the space. And, My mom has given me every Deepak Chopra book ever. Really? I don't know. Is she, I think she's trying to tell me something. <laughs> probably. She probably knew I struggled with anxiety. She's like, oh, I'm going to give Deepak Chopra books to Trevor at age 14 because uh, <laughs> he needs them when he plays basketball. Like I would always get really anxious before games. So she always, gave oh, me this yeah. stuff. she, and I think she knew like as a mom, she just knew like Trevor is having way too many thoughts. He's got, you know, 80,000 thoughts going on all at once. So here, here's some deep pot. Uh-huh. Well, it's you and most people, even myself as a teacher, you know, it's, they, they say sometimes we teach what we need to know best ourselves. So, I mean, we have anywhere from science is telling us 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. Mm-hmm. So you do the math. If you're up for, you know, 14 hours, that's more than one thought a second. So these practices of mindfulness are not about quieting the mind. 
So people think it's like, I have to have absolutely no thoughts. And that's Mm -hmm. just so far from the truth. That's not what mindfulness is. Mm -hmm. Mindfulness is getting out of the habitual patterns of how we react or we behave. And it's not judging these experiences and getting caught up. So it's more about how we handle experiences they come come towards us, which is really how we become more mindful in our day. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of the athletes, I know for me, I struggled 12 years in the pros and, you know, played in college, high school. I always had a routine, but I didn't even like, like we were talking about, I didn't realize that I was trying to practice mindfulness as an athlete. Right. 30 minutes before game time, I would be, I would be laying on the floor, stretching, visualize, you know, like praying. I would be doing all these spiritual things, but I hadn't, you know, at that time, because I'm super old, like nobody really knew it was called mindfulness. It was, you know, yeah. it was prayer. Well, it was thinking. It was slowing my breath down, visualizing my shot going in, all that, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So you just mentioned a ton of different ways in which you can practice mindfulness. So let's take a step back and really talk about what is mindfulness and for any listeners that might not know, because what I find is that there are all these stereotypes about what it is. So people think that mindfulness is practicing just meditation. Meditation is a form of mindfulness, but it's not the only way that you can practice mindfulness. So mindfulness, I love using John Kabat-Zinn's definition is paying attention on purpose in the present moment non-judgmentally. So it's the art of bringing our awareness into the present moment. And to simplify that even more, it's just pure awareness. Mm -hmm. It's right now for anybody that's listening to this podcast, they're only focused on what you and I are saying in this very moment. They're not thinking about all the other things that they could be doing instead of listening to this podcast, the things Mm -hmm. they're going to do in the future, the to-do list, or ruminating on an argument that they just had with their friend or their partner. It's mm-hmm. literally being here and we're fully focused on the exchange and conversation that's happening between you and I. And then there's all of these practices of mindfulness that help us cultivate this awareness so that we're aware in these moments. And so you mentioned some deep breathing. So prani in Sanskrit, I'm practicing meditation, practicing creative visualization. So you mentioned that when you're maybe at the free throw line and you are imagining the the throw or the, uh-oh, the shot. Uh-oh. Are you showing your follow through right now? I am because oh. I love to use my hands when I talk, as you can tell. <laughs> Everyone, let's watch the gooseneck follow through and the unicorn band-aid. That's, uh... um, so you're standing at the free throw line. You're imagining the shot and the follow through. Uh-huh. You're imagining maybe the feelings in your body of actually you know, swishing the basket. Maybe you can hear the swish of the basket in your mind. You're hearing the crowds erupt. Mm-hmm. So you do all of this creative visualization to really embody the most perfect form, you know, if that experience comes to play in a game. Yeah. So those are just a couple of ways in which we can practice mindfulness. So this is what... <sighs> Okay, I get a lot of, I work, you know, coach pro athletes, a lot of youth athletes. Ego, okay? Ego is a huge problem, especially, I think, female athletes that I've coached are always, they're like sponges, you know? They're like a joy to coach. I love coaching female athletes. They listen. They're, they're, they're in the moment with you more. Male athletes, I tend, pro athletes, guys, they're just this, this ego. There's this barrier where sometimes they're just, they don't want to admit that they feel fear. They don't want to admit that they have anxiety. And they, and, and they probably are judging themselves interior, but they're just unconsciously. So how would you tell an athlete, okay, it's okay to, to, be, to feel fear, but also practice fearlessness or uh, practice courage or, or connect to those, those negative feelings? 
Oh, really good question. So here's the thing. This this goes much deeper. So this, you know, the, the masculine energy, you know, some of the things that you just mentioned, the dominance, the, you know, we all have ego in us. It's just the way that it shows up. Even, you know, I would say that I embodied most of my life a more masculine energy versus feminine. We have a, we all have a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. But when we think of the masculine energy, like starting as, you know, when, when kids are very young, we say things like, big boys don't cry. Put your big boy I've cried today on, twice. Or like, I've cried twice just you? in this quarantine. No, that's not <laughs> <laughs> But even if you did, that was okay. That's, yeah, but that's we're, okay. We're, that's... we're conditioning kids at young ages to think that that's not okay to embody emotion. emotion. Mm-hmm. And emotion is natural. It's nearly impossible for us not to have emotions and feelings towards every experience. So it's being okay with that. So we have to, so the first step is really kind of going back and kind of saying, where does this conditioning come from? Why do I feel like I need to show up this way? Mm-hmm. How was I conditioned? And then the next step is at least acknowledging that, acknowledging that we might be showing up with a stronger ego, acknowledging that like we think that we have all the answers to do something because a certain coach taught us to do it a specific way. Another coach mm-hmm. is telling me to do something different. And so it's like, it's using these mindfulness practices to bring us into the present moment. Mm-hmm. And I would say for me, the mindfulness practices have completely softened me. They have not made me weak. They have not made me as motivated. They have not made me, definitely made me more productive. Mm-hmm. But I'm more aware of how I'm showing up in situations. So I don't know if that answers your question. It's not a simple thing to just look at somebody and say, throw the ego out the door because it's mm-hmm. conditioning. That has happened years over years over years. So until we actually do, I mean, this is inner work. Most adults are just starting this journey. Kids don't, you know, aren't able to do that usually at such a young age, but it's really just embodying this pure awareness and being aware. What is, let me just stop you for a second. What would be something really simple for, for parents and a child and a youth player something really easy for them, like to start a you know, a routine, a simple mindfulness routine. On the like me, I, I feel like I'm really basic. I struggle every time I start to get into the habit of doing a meditation or mindfulness. Even as a coach, I was doing it just to get my mind sharp and my focus sharp. But I didn't have the, you know, I didn't have a training in it. I didn't feel like I was, my mind would wander. I would just, you know, and then like five minutes later, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Well, and that's the practice of mindfulness. So let's use breathing. Mm-hmm. So breathing is an amazing exercise to do that science has proven a minimum of three minutes a day is all you need to see benefits. So if you're sitting, you could be standing, you can literally do this anywhere sitting Mm -hmm. right now. Since I'm sitting here, I might just close my eyes. I love to put my hand on my stomach, like on your Mm -hmm. belly button. You don't want your feet to be crossed. Just sit here and on take a really deep intentional inhale and your abdomen should be expanding like a balloon. So you do that for, let's just say three seconds Once it's out like a balloon, you hold it for three seconds and then release it for three seconds. And then you want, when you're on the out breath, you want your your belly button to really be coming all the way back into your spine to get all the air out. So most of us spend most of our day not taking these deep intentional breaths. So I suck at breathing is what you're saying. I'm not a good breather. Most of us do. Most of us do. And most of us aren't even using our nose to breathe. I felt better just breathing through my belly button right there. great. (laughs) right? Oh my gosh. Just breathe better. So if you do this for three minutes a day, so you could do this when you wake up. I always tell people when you're in transition, so maybe when you're going from school Mm -hmm. to practice Mm -hmm. or from practice to home 
or like getting ready to go from homework to bed, Mm -hmm. that's when you can take a moment to breathe, even if it's just doing three deep intentional breaths Mm -hmm. in, out, in, out, in, out. That's all you need to do. That's, that's triggering the brain to say, okay, there's going to be a transition happening. Yeah. And that actually helps when we can do that. We slow down emotional reactions so we can slow down the reaction of the ego and just kind of, kind of get back into the body is really what we're doing. I like it. I like it. That's simple, easy. I also like the fact that it can happen anytime during the day. Like it's just, it's just being self-aware of knowing, okay, Oh yeah. you know, maybe I'm feeling uptight. Why am I feeling? I'm going to take these breaths and then go, you know, go charge into the challenge or if, you know, for, 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 for athletes, you know, kids, especially that get nervous about going to play somebody better than them or going down state or, you know, challenging themselves. Anytime you get out of your comfort zone, there's always that moment of fear and, oh, just, yeah. and just kind of, you know, having like a simple three breath routine where you're, you're going to say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be fearless right now. And I'm to take deep breaths and go into it. I think that's yeah. huge. Hey, basketball parents, coaches, and athletes. One of my favorite adapted quotes is we do not rise to the level of our basketball goals but rather we fall to the level of our basketball training system. Why do I say that? Well, I want to help all your basketball athletes, kids, or players figure out how to chase their basketball dreams in a smart, systematic way. So I'm offering my live online basketball training community today and get a free week of virtual home basketball workouts streamed into your garage, your living room, your basement, your driveway, and you get to work out with the pros. All right, we do this every week, and for the first time, your kids will have direct access to me, sports performance trainers, other pro coaches for as little as $25 a month. If you're interested, please visit trevorhuffman.com or text me, quote, Huffman Club with your full name at 810-771-8622. Again, that's 810-771-8622. My dad used to do that. He used to put me in moments as a kid where he'd be like, all right, Trevor, I'm dropping you off in the middle of Flint. I'm like a short white dude. Like, and he would just drop me off at the park. I was the only white guy there. And I would have to walk up onto the court and be like, I want to play. Can I play? You know, like he made me yeah. kind of, he made me practice fearlessness. I didn't know about it. Okay. He could have helped me with some breathing techniques, you know, maybe help me handle that, those emotions that we have, which are strong on sport, you know, they're supposed to be strong. That's why we love sport. But at the same time, like learning how to, to manage those emotions with, with that technique. I like it. Oh yeah. And breathing, here's the thing. You don't need to close your eyes to do it in this practice. I love breathing because it helps me center. It helps me keep my focus in the present moment. You could be doing it standing. You can doing it, do it while you're sitting on a bus, put your headphones in. People think you're listening to music, but maybe instead you're actually doing deep breathing exercises. Mm -hmm. It's so discreet. Nobody would ever even know. Mm -hmm. Adults can do it in your car. When I do a lot of workplace training, I always tell people, start your meetings off with one minute of breathing and intention setting. Mm -hmm. People are running around from from one meeting to the next. Mm-hmm. If we could start our meetings off with one minute of breathing, allowing people to settle into the space, it, it, I, I would imagine, and based on my own experience, your, your meetings are much more productive. And same with kids. One thing that coaches could do for their kids, if before they go out onto the court, they just did one moment of breathing together, mm-hmm. that could be a game changer. Yeah. I know a lot of teams do prayer circles. They don't mm-hmm. do... They don't breathe in that prayer circle. You might as well add, you know, a little bit of a little bit of uh, 
mindfulness or meditation stuff to it. Yeah. Um, well, and here's the thing. The other thing too is that it's super important that as we're cultivating um, a more mindful way of being. So mindfulness is our mental gym, just like going to a gym and doing physical exercises. You don't get a six pack overnight. I've been working on it for years and I still don't have it. Okay? Just blew, so. You just literally crushed my dreams. <laughs> Thanks, Libby. That's... <laughs> I told my I told my dad I'm like dad I'll tell you what coaching did to me it made it made me look like a block of cheddar cheese okay <laughs> I used to be like fit I used to work out I started coaching I got stressed out my mm-hmm. I ate a bunch you know I was looking at my diet like I would eat whatever and I, I think you could talk a little bit about that as well like how does the diet affect mindfulness uh, nutrition affect mindfulness okay sorry I got ahead of myself yeah. with that cheese analogy well what were what were we talking about before that because i feel like there was something else i wanted to say before we transition we're talking about breathing we were Ah, we lost the thought it's clearly not important maybe it'll come back later yeah we'll come back so food and nutrition listen i'm i'm i will start off by saying i'm not a nutritionist or a dietitian Mm -hmm. what i know is based on my own experience my own health journey Mm -hmm. what i can tell you is that there are foods that make us feel sluggish there are foods that are sugary foods that ignite certain areas of the brain that make us feel like we're on a high, mm-hmm. which are actually more damaging than they are good. So people, not to say that sugar is bad. So natural sugars are good coming from fruits and honey, mm-hmm. maple syrup, things like that. It's all the processed stuff mm-hmm. that's in sugary cereals and, yeah. you know, everywhere. Processed um, foods, food. you name it. Our society has high fructose corn syrup and basically every... absolutely. Yeah, it's disgusting that they're even still able to produce that. In my eyes, this is my own opinion. Yeah. But so it's it's important, especially right now in the midst of a global pandemic, that we are putting fruits and vegetables and legumes and nuts mm-hmm. and clean meats, seeds into our body because that's what energizes us. Mm-hmm. You know, think about Thanksgiving. We all get the lethargic feeling in the afternoon from eating turkey and all of this other stuff that we cook. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a lot of intolerances, so I, I stay away from gluten and dairy and soy and all sorts of things. Uh, when I have something, though, I can see a complete difference in my energy. Mm-hmm. Some things completely deplete me. And then there's other things that energize us. Food, food should be energizing us, not making us tired. So that's yeah. probably all I can really say about Yeah, food I read, uh, I was reading today, you know, if, if you think about our society, about athletes, about the, the mental health of, and I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nutritionist, but you know, you can, you can simplistically connect nutrition, gut, you know, your gut, you know, yes. produces, there's a hundred million neurons in your gut that produce 95% of your gut produces serotonin. Serotonin is the happiness or mood okay. elevator, you know, biomarker and and you just look at what we put in our bodies and how that affects the relationship between the brain and the belly and the gut. And I'm just like, it's a, it's a no brainer to me to at least try to change your diet with raw foods, with healthier foods, with something that replaces high fructose corn syrup or sugar. You know, what are some of those things? I don't, I'm not a nutritionist, but you know, think about that stuff. Parents, coaches, athletes, what, yeah. what are you putting There's in your so body many- affects mindfulness? There's so many amazing resources out there too. So some of my favorite um, people to follow in that space are like Dr. Mark Hyman Mm -hmm. um, is a really great one. He has a podcast called, I think it's called The Pharmacy. 
And he talks about a lot of, he talks about nutrition, natural ways to heal. He does some stuff too, even just how foods do impact our mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, mental health conditions can exist because we could be depleted and like magnesium or mm-hmm. vitamin things like that so if we supplement with those or just eat foods that are high in those nutrients you know sometimes we can you know support our mental health in that moment depends on the severity yeah think of like the seasonal depression that a lot of that's real up north northern michigan yeah michigan absolutely i was feeling it you know the last two months and i actually started supplementing with vitamin d again Mm -hmm. and now i'm just pumping so many nutrients into my body because i want to build my immune system so i stay healthy during this pandemic Mm -hmm. my mental health has completely shifted in the last two weeks of taking that and so i was like oh my gosh when did i start taking this are you just walking are you just walking around your house like on your hand like doing walking handstands is that how you move around your house because you just feel that good I actually don't feel that good and I can't do handstands yet. I'm still up against a wall. So <laughs> you're pr- but you're practicing it. I do because it's always been my goal to want to do that as a yogi. That's like, yeah, that's, that's like my ultimate dream is to be able to do a handstand without any type of support. <laughs> I love it. So let's say, what are your three, what would be your three top for athletes, coaches, people mm-hmm. that want to improve at mindfulness? What would be your three tips or practices that athletes and and coaches could start using, parents could start using with their athletes to get better? Let's just go to some of the easiest ones. So guided meditations. For me, an intentional seated meditation practice is one of the most, you know, amazing self-care techniques that we can do for ourselves now. And here's why. Because our mindfulness, our meditation practice is not just about the 10 to 20 minutes when we're sitting in meditation it the effects of meditation carry into the rest of our day so it sets us up in a way that take uh, when we do it in the morning we're ready to take on the day we do it in the afternoon we've already experienced stresses so this can help calm us down Mm -hmm. and so you can't just meditate you could just meditate once a week if you wanted but a couple times a week will start to show up in your life in ways that you had never imagined. People notice the differences in me before I noticed them in myself when I started my meditation practice. There's all sorts of apps out there. Deepak Chopra and Oprah Winfrey um, have a 21-day meditation experience that just started about you know bringing hope at uncertain times. So there's an app for that. It's free. Mm-hmm. Insight Timer is my favorite. Headspace is another one. There's mm-hmm. Calm, Breathe. And a lot of these now have different meditation experiences for kids. They've split them up between like, you know, youth, maybe up to ages, you know, five, and then there's another age group, then there's teenagers, etc. So meditation for sure, no doubt. Creative visualization. So every athlete should be using a creative visualization technique. And there's guided meditations that exist for this on YouTube and all of these apps. The reason creative visualization is so powerful is because you're literally visualizing the most perfect way that you can show up in your game or when you're out running a marathon, Mm -hmm. you start to embody the feelings of how you want to feel during that game. And that's what we carry with us. So before we go into a game, a lot of us might have the stomachs churning, we're sweating because we're starting to maybe get nervous. And so when we send ourselves into a stressful state, that's when the stress hormones get released. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is to be able to um, stay in a level of homeostasis or restful awareness so that we don't do that. We don't want to go into fight or flight right before a game. We have to stay centered and grounded and in the moment. And so creative visualization helps us really embody 
how we're going to show up in the times when we're actually going into our performance. Nice. And then I would say there's so many, but I feel like we already talked about breathing, but breathing is life changing. It energizes the body, but it also comes us down when we're going into state of anxiety or panic. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be overwhelming when we feel the pressures as an athlete, especially when we start to get into more competitive levels. And so breathing is such a simple, simple thing that we can do and don't have to spend a lot of time on. Mm-hmm. You know, there's other things that you could do by using like positive affirmations. Mm-hmm. You could sit there and you could say to myself, I do my best and I let go of the rest. That's the most beautiful mantra and it's ridiculously calming. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do my best and I'm going to let go of the rest. You don't get caught up then in the rumination of stories of or remembering past performances where we felt like we failed or Mm -hmm. whatever it might be. What about um, negative thoughts? You know, I think as athletes, you always have those negative thoughts like, oh, I'm 0 for 6. I haven't made any shots. Uh, I'm not going to make my next shot, you know, kind of like stopping negative loops. And, and this happens, I think, in, in every adult has this, you know, I can't get in shape. I'm fat. I'm too lazy. You know, changing your, yeah. your thoughts to turn them into a, I get to work out. I get to exactly. learn today to get smarter. I am passionate about this rather than kind of taking that that negative negative thought and turning it into a positive one. I think if if humans could just do that alone, turn the negative thoughts into positive ones and say, no, this is possible. I am talented. I am a hard worker. I can fight through this. Then it kind of changes your mindset. And you oh, yeah. a, a victim mindset to more of a, a, a victor or a growth mindset. And I think athletes need, don't realize that all those negative thoughts, if they're not mindful, if they're not self-aware, mm-hmm. they're probably happening. Oh, yeah. I mean, they happen to me, too. And I teach this stuff. So it's just it's part of being human that this is going to happen. So there's a couple of things that we could do. This is why another form of mindfulness is taking time for self-reflection and journaling. How did I show up today? You know, after a game, sitting down and saying, you know, what emotions was I experiencing? What limiting beliefs were coming up during that game and being aware Because then once we're aware, so a lot of times we don't notice these patterns that we're going into. And so we get on the hamster wheel and we go deeper and deeper and deeper into this victim mindset and this way of thinking. So we need to literally stop ourselves. The practice then is acknowledging and recognizing when are we going into that space. And so we have to set up, especially when we're getting started, these triggers. So my phone is full of reminders. So what if you heard the beep, I don't know if you could hear that on my calendar. It was a calendar reminder. It said, take a moment and breathe and shower yourself in positive affirmations. Mm-hmm. So I have reminders that pop up in my, in my phone throughout the day that make me stop to do the mind check-in. Mm-hmm. Where am I at right now? And I literally sometimes think of the acronym STOP. When I go into the space and I go into the negativity, I'm like, stop. Mm-hmm. And that means literally stop whatever you're doing. The T stands for take three deep breaths. The O is observe, observe the thoughts, acknowledge them, name them. There's no shame in having negative thoughts, Mm -hmm. but then proceeding and not getting caught up in it, knowing that a a thought is a fluid experience. It's there one minute and then it's not. We have the power to redirect where our attention is, but we have to stop. And so that's why I love journaling and reflection as one of the most powerful tools to do those check-ins and then setting up these phone reminders. You know, the other thing to do is when people go into this, like it's catastrophizing, right? So what's the worst case scenario? Well, it's going to be tied. 
I'm at the free throw line and it's up to me because the buzzer already went off. We were in the fourth quarter. And if I don't make this, our team loses. So worst case scenario is that I don't make the basket. I don't get to start next time. Mm-hmm. But so that's worst case scenario maybe. But what's the best case scenario? Mm-hmm. The best case scenario is that I make it and I get to start and I've never been a starter before, whatever your story is. Mm-hmm. And then there's kind of like, well, what's the most likely thing that could happen? So when you go into this catastrophizing, you literally make up the story and let your ima- your imagination go wild and say, what's the worst What's the worst thing that could happen? What am I really scared of? Then you stop and you say, what's the best thing that could happen? Mm-hmm. How could this work in my favor? Mm-hmm. That's phase two. And then step three might be, okay, but what's the, what will probably most likely happen? Mm-hmm. And you have to do them in that order to basically ignite the limbic system. So you start with, What's the worst case? What's the best case? And what's the most likely thing to happen? So this is when the, this, that provides for such a useful tool when we start to go into this catastrophization of what's mm-hmm. the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I like it. That's good. Good stuff. Thank you, Libby. Uh, mm-hmm. I always, one of the guys I love reading is Victor Frankel. I don't know if you know Victor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Man's search for meaning, but he, he always talks about I think this is relevant to athletes and coaches when a negative event happens or, or any stimuli happens, the gap between stimuli and response, that moment where we get to choose responsibility, like how, how you respond and how good you are at that. Your ability, at, your ability to respond to a stimuli mm-hmm. is such a powerful yes. skill. How, do you, how would you help athletes, like you're saying, stop? Take three deep breaths, observe, and what was the last one? Proceed. Proceed, okay. Yeah, like, it's, it's proceeding without getting caught up in it. So yeah. I just, I go on with my day. It was an experience, it happened, and so that's no longer in the present moment. I'm in the here and the now, and now I have an opportunity yeah. in this moment to choose differently. I just Here's, turned the ball over, the coach yelled at me, I'm pissed off, stop. Observe, take three breaths, observe that emotion. It's okay, you gotta keep playing, move forward. Yeah get it back into the game. Like, and that happens in life. That happens in sport. It happens with everything. Yeah. The other thing I like to do too, that you just made me think of is that sometimes when I teach the acronym stop at the observe, I also say, say three things that you're grateful for. When you start to get hard on yourself and you're judging your performance, you you could change that and say, you know what? But I'm so thankful for my coach and I'm so thankful for my teammates because, you know, I had a bad pass, but my teammate covered, I was just going to say a swear word. The parents will <laughs> never forgive me. Oh, I'm, good. I'm glad I stopped myself. We didn't talk about what, ling- what language. This is PG-13. So if a swear word <laughs> slips out, all right, I will not bleep it out. Edit it out? No, <laughs> yeah. I will not. I'll let it go. I'll let it roll. I think people need to see the raw, authentic Libby, you know? Yeah, this is, I love the passions coming out right now because I think that it's our mental health um, and our mental and emotional reactions don't get enough credit. They, they have started to get a lot of attention in the last 20 to 30 years. The cool thing is that all the things we're talking about are being backed up by science now. So you were just talking about how, and you asked me, how do we help athletes and coaches and parents help? What was the question? <laughs> um, how do we help them when, when that negative moment mm. happens in a game, you know, to, to, to practice their response ability in that moment to change their response or, 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 or create a good response. 
Well, I think it's just being intentional about making sure we're talk, we're adding these ways of mindfulness throughout our day mm-hmm. because the, we have to practice this throughout the day because then when it becomes game time, this is when we have to remember it. So it yeah. can't just be happening during game time. It has to be happening in the practices. Every time you act and choose to be mindful, it's a vote for who you're becoming. Would you agree with that? I like that. I love that. That's an amazing quote. That's not my quote. It's James Clear from Atomic <laughs> Habits, but. You have a good memory then. I can't, I can't recite quotes like that. No, but I love James Clear. I literally, he probably, he, I, we're best friends. He just doesn't know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause I read, I read his quotes and I'm like. Mind blown. Like every yeah. quote, every quote, he, every time I read a paragraph, I have to just stop and like, let it sink in. But you were saying gratitude. Gratitude is yes. to me, that's one of the things I practice. I've been doing, I started doing this as a pro coach in Europe. I would use my uh, erase, dry eraser on my bathroom mirror and I had a grid on the top and I called a habit tracker. I do this with my youth in Michigan or okay. athletes. And I put down like, let's say you want to do three things that you want to, you want to start practicing breathing, you know, breathing three times a day for three minutes, seated meditation, the stop technique. And you put those down on the left side of the column. And then on the right, you have your days, your, your month, 30 days. And then you check, you put just a little rows and columns like an Excel sheet. And each morning, each night, each morning you wake up, bam, 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 you X every time you do it. If you reach your goal, great. If not, well, you can kind of track your habits because habits mm-hmm. are those actions that are, are, are kind of votes for who you're becoming. Are you becoming yeah. a mindful person? Are you not? Are you, be, are you practicing mindfulness in moments where you get stressed or fearful or anxious? And I think it's really yeah. important that it's not a big thing. It's not like, oh, I got to practice yoga for an hour every day. It's, yes. It's the little, these little, little things, these little, little marginal improvements you make day after day. And I think athletes yeah. and coaches and parents kind of get lost. It gets lost, uh, you know, in the big picture. Yeah. So there, so I do a lot of one-on-one coaching. And one of the things that I teach every person that I coach is tiny habits. Mm -hmm. So tiny habits, um, basically are setting up prompts for ourselves so that when we do a specific action, we follow up with a well-being habit and then we celebrate. So in order to change a habit, we have to be motivated. We have to have the skills and knowledge and we have to have the ability, right? So sometimes when we, if we're working out, we're a couch potato right now. Imagine you and I don't work out and we want to work out, but everybody's telling us that we have to get 10,000 steps in a day and maybe go walk for three miles. And we're like, oh, that sounds so daunting. Mm -hmm. So maybe instead what we do is we set up a tiny habit. So every time I let the dog out, I just walk around the yard. And then when I'm done, I celebrate and, and celebrate maybe by just saying, good job, Libby. I'm so proud of you or you give yourself a hug, or maybe you get to go in now and drink your coffee. Yeah. So tiny habits are really amazing because over time, um, we get used to this tiny habit and then we're like, you know what? I'm going to walk around the yard three times now instead of once. And then it becomes a mile and then it becomes two miles. And so eventually over time, habits become sustainable. So what happens is a lot of times we have these well-being habits for ourselves. I'm going to go outside and shoot you know, 50 baskets. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't sound, that just seems like a lot right now, but maybe what I want to do is every time I start the coffee machine, I go outside and I shoot enough baskets until the coffee is done. 
And then my reward is that I get to drink my coffee after. Mm-hmm. Clearly, I'm talking. I use coffee twice as examples, so I, I don't know what's you. going I on there. With you. I already Everybody had my coffee. that listens to this show, <laughs> everyone that listens to this show loves coffee, I guarantee it. Okay, good. <laughs> so yeah, so we can set up these little tiny habits that help us cultivate long-term habits over time. And so they're sustainable. And the beautiful thing is, are, are you familiar with the science of neuroplasticity? I mean, I'm not a neuro, I, I am, but I would say that it's very limited. Okay. So basically the beautiful thing about this research is, is that um, science is proving to us that we can rewire the way that we react and we behave in any moment. So we used to think years ago that the brain wasn't pliable. And after a certain age, we were just the way we were. So you know how many people like, I'm not changing. I can't change. I've been doing it the same way for years. Yeah. That's a choice. So they do, people need to understand that's a choice because science has proven to us that no, it is possible to create these neural these new neural pathways. So I think of the brain as having all of these different roads and highways. Mm-hmm. Some roads are easy to follow. Those are habits and patterns that we've done over and over and over again in our life. Tying our shoe maybe is an example of that. Mm-hmm. But the same way every time. So try doing the opposite loop first and then the other one, and it's hard to do, right? So that's a, that's a pathway that we've conditioned over time. That's a clear road. But what happens is when we're intentional about these mindfulness practices, it, it causes us to pause and to take a moment to think about how we're going to react versus just going to the habitual pattern. And so the construction zones, the roads that we didn't typically use, become the smooth roads and the other ones become the construction zones. So we can start to create and we become what I say, conscious choice makers. We can make more nurturing choices in our life because we become aware, mm-hmm. but it takes slowing down. So science is saying to us, it is a choice how we decide to react and behave because of habitual patterns. Mm-hmm. It's intentional. And that we can rewire. It's mm-hmm. intentional. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder how many athletes are intentional about what they're developing internally and externally, what they're developing in their game, why they're developing it, you know, anyway, yeah, that just got me. What am I developing? I don't even like eating cheese. I'm got a really small <laughs> habit of cheese. You're, right you'll now. be able to go to the whole, whole foods counter and like start I love cheese. samples. <laughs> when you live in Europe, Libby, let me tell you, the cheese selection is um, good. It's very good over there. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? So I can actually eat dairy and gluten when I go to Europe. But yeah, I can't hear. It's crazy, right? I can eat different stuff there. And then when I come home, I just get like a swollen feeling from eating the food. And I'm like, I know something is yeah. wrong with this picture. But I just, I'm yeah. not a scientist. I'm not a you know food scientist. But there's a lot of research out there about it. And it has to do with the chemicals that we're using, yeah. antibiotics, hormones we're giving to animals and coming, yeah. things like that. It's well, off Anything else? Just, you know, I'd love for you to plug your website, social media, give everybody a chance to reach out to you. Any, any parents, coaches that, yeah. you know, maybe want a help with, with, with their practice or mindfulness training. Welcome to, you know, to reach out to you. I, well, I'm not going to say yeah. that. You could say that. I, yeah, no, I, well, here is, I'm just so passionate about what I do. And I know that these tools are life changing. So I do a lot of different things. I'm, primarily based out of Saginaw Bay City in Midland, but kind of go all over and travel a lot for my job, doing public speaking about mental health, 
teaching mindfulness. And my website is www.somethingbeautiful.co. So that's my personal business where I do one-on-one coaching and keynote speaking. And then I'm also the co-founder of an organization called O Infinite Love. And that's oinfinitelove.com. And we're more focused on building mindfulness training for organizations Mm -hmm. to help people improve their quality of life. Mm-hmm. And so you can find um, me on Facebook through both pages. So my something beautiful is the app sign and then it is something beautiful on Facebook and Instagram. And then it's Oh infinite love on Facebook okay. and Instagram. I'll as add, well. I'll, I'll tag all, all those in the, in the notes and the show notes and stuff like that. Yeah. And feel free to share my email. Like I, there might be parents that are listening that want recommendations for other resources, podcasts, people to follow books mm-hmm. Um, happy to share those um, with your um, audience as well. I love it. I love it. I mean, we talked about so much. We talked about phone reminders, the stop uh, technique, breathing, you know, mini habits, gratitude. I I think I learned, you know, I'm going to take, I'm going to try some of this stuff, especially I like the, the phone, you know, like really having stuff to remind yourself to slow down, you know, and and just practice what you want to become that, you know, what are you trying to improve at, whether it's fitness or train, you know, learning how to dribble, you know, having those reminders set in, like we should use technology to our advantage, not to our escapism or distraction, you know, like, like most of us do as I. Exactly. There are so many amazing benefits of technology to use in our favor, especially with these. Um, There's so many, so many apps to use for these types of mindfulness practices. Mm -hmm. Well, Thank you so much. And You're I look welcome. forward to, you know, we'll just check in from time to time and, and I'm sure we'll can get you back on it. And the, I'm, I know the parents are going to love this. The coaches, you know, maybe, maybe you'll be coming up to Northern Michigan sometime soon to help a basketball team get there. As long as it's in the summertime, I will come up there whenever. Exactly. Me too. <laughs> I don't step foot up there until the summer. They know better. All right, awesome. Libby. Thank you so much for the time, Trevor. Thank it was you. Great